Friday lunchtime lectures at the Open Data Institute. Generation Ren, we uh, were set up a few years ago as the National Private Tenants Organisation, uh, run pretty much by volunteers. Um, and last year we won some grant funding from the Nationwide Foundation, the charity that's associated with Nationwide Building Society, to become a more active campaign. And so I'm the first employee and I've been around since Christmas and there's now five of us doing everything we can. Um, we've got some clear goals. There are nine million private sector renters. It's the private sector renters that we're, we're representing. Nine million uh, private sector renters in the UK and we want improved affordability, better standards and conditions, um, more security of tenure. This idea that you can be booted from one tenancy to another every six months or a year is, is, is not a sustainable way of living. Um, and professional management. We don't want to be ripped off by letting agents and landlords anymore. Um, and so you can see we're looking at these areas, affordability, standards, security uh, and professionalism. You can see there must be loads of data out there that would be really, really useful uh, in, in, in a campaign like ours. So, so where do we start? We start with the basic premise, those 9 million renters. How, how do we know there are 9 million renters? Um, well, the 2011 census tells us there are 3.9 million private renter households um, in, in the UK. Um, oh, hang on a moment. Census isn't in the UK, is it? It's England and Wales. All oh, right, so 3.9 million private sector renters in the in England and Wales, um, and I'm not quite sure how we got from 3.9 million renters to 9 million tenants, but well, Shelter keeps saying it, so we're saying it. Um, and uh, but it doubled since 2001. Between 2001 and 2011, it doubled to nine, uh, well, 3.9 million households. That's a pretty steep trend. Um, if it's still doing that. Um, and if you add on Scotland and Northern Ireland, those, those um, 9 million renters are probably about 11 or 11.5 million renters. Um, and the English Housing Survey, uh, which is a survey of about 13,500 um, homes in, 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 they do every year, indicates that it's still growing. Oh, but that's just England. It's not even Wales. What, we get all these statistics and very little data. Um, and, uh, and, and that's the real challenge for us. So we're sticking with 9 million for the time being. We'll wait till another census um, uh, because, you know, at least it's, it's, an act, at least it's some actual data. Um, and so it's even on my business card, um, 9 million renters, one national voice with no asterisk next to the 9 million. Um, but that's just where we, that's just where, that's the basic premise. We know it's a big number and we don't really need to do much else with the number. Um, so if we move on to the things we want to do, affordability. Well, you think affordability is quite a simple thing. You know, people, some stuff costs some money and you've got some income and somewhere in between it is a function of affordability. And, uh, and every month they publish the consumer price index and they say the price has gone up. Oh, no. CPI doesn't include housing costs. The government's using is its standard metric of inflation something that doesn't include housing costs. Uh, when uh, house prices are going up by uh, 10.5% uh, in a year nationally and... Uh, almost 18% in, in London. Um, how often does it get away with it? So that's not a very useful measure for us either. Um, but fortunately, the Office of National Statistics publishes a monthly, uh, a monthly data set on um, rental prices, uh, the, um, uh, the index of private rental prices. Um, and they come out with this figure, and it says that the private rents are going up by 1.3%. And I think to myself... Well, that's not my experience of private rents, and it's not the experience of anyone I know. Um, 
well, maybe I'm just living in a strange place where I just have a very narrow range of, of people that I know. Um, all those people that phone us up or contact us by email saying that their landlords have put up their rent by 25% or 40%, they, they must be aberrations and outliers. There must be some other people getting some really big rent cuts somehow in this housing bubble. And it just doesn't seem like the right number. And then we look at it, and the ONS says, oh, this is an experimental statistic. We've not actually asked anyone how much rent they're paying. We're guessing it from, from subsidiary data sets that we've collected for other reasons. So it doesn't include asking people how much rent they're paying or, or looking at the market rents that are being advertised. Um, so it gets every month the landlords are saying in their, in their press releases, oh, rents aren't going up by much. And they're using this experimental data set to, um, to, to back this up. And it isn't even validated as a data set to be used to draw any conclusions. Um, so we do get a handful of banks publishing um, price rises monthly, but they're all doing it and they're all getting slightly different numbers. Um, and again, it's... They are actually doing it from data, from the data of their customers, but they're doing it on the basis of the um, the transactions that have happened in that month, um, rather than the ongoing costs uh, to everyone, everyone's ongoing costs to, to live. So affordability actually becomes quite a challenge for us. So let's let's move, let's move on. Let's go to security of tenure. Now, security of tenure is very important to us. Um, uh, evictions are on the rise. I've got a uh, full page of the Metro today that. Um, the largest number of evictions, they've had a hit, a hit a spike of evictions that is bigger than any time in the last 10 years. Um, in fact, the government's got me on a, an evictions, speeding up evictions working group. The government thinks there just aren't enough evictions and there should be more. And uh, I promise I'm not doing anything to help the speeding up of evictions working group. We're doing everything you can to, um, to, to everything we can to in, inject some sort of humanity to it. Um, but with the rise of evictions, you also get the rise of the fear of eviction. So once you've got a fear of eviction, a tenant um, isn't going to complain about the boiler not working quite as rapidly if they think they're going to get booted. And um, a few months ago, we saw a, a, a landlord, um, a guy called Fergus Wilson in Kent. Um, uh, he, he had a, a tenant ring him up and uh, say, oh, would you mind fixing my boiler? It's not working. And he said, oh, you're on housing benefit, aren't you? Yeah. All right, I'll fix the boiler, but um, here's your eviction notice. And by the way, the other 200 housing benefit claimants that, that I'm the landlord for, they're also getting their eviction notice. So it happens. It's a, this, this retaliatory eviction um, it is a very real thing, but the fear of it, uh, uh, of tenants not complaining about uh, the conditions, vermin, mould. Um, we, we look at private rented sector and you think, oh, there are all those luxury apartments in Mayfair or or Canary Wharf or wherever else, that's only a small proportion of the people uh, in the private rented sector. There's a, a million or a million and a half people who are people who can't get into the social housing sector because there aren't any council homes. The most, the, the most vulnerable tenants um, in the country are the ones that really ought to be in social housing. Uh, they're the very, very poorest people with the very, very worst landlords. And so this, this insecurity of tenure is really important. So some data here would be extraordinarily helpful. Um, and uh, who has the data on evictions? Well, that'd be the Ministry of Justice, won't it? Because they they run the court service, and so they do. This is this is Ministry of Justice data that they've published: spike in evictions, actually a spike in possession orders. Um, uh, it doesn't it doesn't take into account those evictions that happen because the landlord just changes the locks one day. Uh, uh, the illegal evictions. Um, 
they don't break it down as to whether it's section 8 where the tenant is at fault or section 21 where the tenant is not at fault so they don't break it down as to what sort of eviction it is they don't they don't break it down as to whether it's a private sector tenant or a social rented sector tenant uh, they don't um, they don't let you know if the tenant submitted a defence or just accepted the uh, uh, the possession order um, and uh, on this particular working group um, we had a Ministry of Justice uh, representative there and I've never met someone so disengaged in the room that they were in there's a room full of landlords letting agents tenants groups uh, I was there there's somebody from Shelter um, uh, DCLG civil servants all trying to make a better process, even if a better process for me would be longer security of tenure. Um, and then this person from the Ministry of Justice who's just sitting there picking his nails um, and just saying, oh yes, all this data would be nice, we'll see what we could do. Absolutely no interest in whatsoever in being part of the solution to the problem. This is not a great way of finding data that would be useful, useful for a problem that is about extraordinarily vulnerable people. Um, clearly not the Ministry of Justice's problem. So, I mentioned these people are, are, are in very poor conditions. Often the security of tenure is associated with very poor conditions. Um, and decent standards is one, another third arm of, uh, of, of the policy area that we were interested in. And uh, I mentioned the English Housing Survey, um, 13,500 uh, surveys done a year to try and find lots of, out lots of information. They also do 9,000 visits to homes um, to try and look at conditions and they get professional environmental health officers that do this for a living to, um, to, to look at these homes pretty much at random to see what conditions they are and 25% according to the English Housing Survey have a, a category 1 health and safety hazard uh, 25% of the private rented sector um, something that might actually damage the tenant um, uh, far higher than in, in, in private home ownership or in, or, or, in, um, or in the social rented sector 35% don't meet the decent home standards, which is a legal minimum for the social rented sector. Um, and, uh, and I'm not suggesting that everyone should be in the decent home standards, but as a measure of how the quality of life of, of, of a person, uh, you know, the dampness, cold, things like that, it's, um, uh, it's a very clear indicator of the, the, the conditions that people are living in. Um, but every single local authority in the country has got an enforcement team. Every one of them is doing prosecutions. They've got standardised laws that they're prosecuting against. There must be some great data out there. There must be some fantastic data out there. Oh, except they're not publishing it. They're just just—they're doing their prosecution, they're doing their work, and then once a year they'll tell councillors somewhere in a PDF report um, uh, how many they did, with, with absolutely no richness of the data. And <laughs> there's abs almost almost zero information published on, on these prosecutions that would be extraordinarily useful if you were going to prosecute some more people because um, a local authority, if it prosecutes a landlord, doesn't even know if it's the same landlord with another, another property elsewhere in the same local authority um, that, would, that could also easily be enforced against because if they're a bad landlord in one place, they're probably a bad landlord in, in their other tenancies as well um, because that's the way they're running their business. So I talked to Newham. Newham Council is one of the best. They uh, have huge problems. They have a, a large private rented stock. They have some awful landlords. They've got a lot of poverty and deprivation. Uh, they've got a lot of uh, Victorian houses that have been chopped up into bedsits, um, uh, legal and illegal homes of multiple occupation. And um, 
and they've really taken it seriously and they probably put more money into their enforcement teams than anyone else um, and one of the things they've done is they've implemented a blanket register of landlords so they've made it illegal not to register that you are a landlord and they found 40,000 registered tenancies this way uh, in, in one London borough and it's cost the landlords about £30 per home so no, no landlord's going to be bankrupted by this um, and, uh, and it's entirely paid for itself in terms of the IT systems that they've had to implement to do this. Um, and, uh, and they've also commissioned a really clever algorithm using the um, census data and all sorts of different um, information that they've got access to. They've got this algorithm that guesses whether a home is a private rented sector home or not. And so they take that list and they delete all the ones that are already registered. And then they've suddenly got a list of likely private rented sector homes that are not registered as private rented sector homes. And they go to those places, they knock on the doors, they ask people, are you a, a private sector rented tenant? And, they, and these are the homes where you find out that if the landlord's not obeying one regulation, there's a whole load of other regulations they're not, they're not obeying. So they're making people live with hazards, with moulds, with vermin and damp. Uh, they're, they're, they're not doing the repairs. Uh, they're taking cash and they are not protecting the deposits, which legally you're supposed to protect deposits. And... Um, in the months, just months since um, Newham has implemented this scheme, they have been they've been um, enforcing against unregistered landlords hand over fist. They have been um, uh, uh, securing five figure fines, and uh, they've been really making measures to um, to help people. And, and some of these people you find are people who have been like, illegally trafficked to this country, and therefore have fallen into the clutches of, into, of an exploitative landlord. These are um, some extraordinarily vulnerable people. Um, and so I'm talking to the talking to Newham and saying what else they can do. And uh, I said, that must be fantastic because um, you map this against the land registry data and suddenly you've got a really powerful tool to find out where are all the other properties that, that these dodgy landlords own. And there was a silence in the room. I said, well, we'd like to do that, but land registry won't have us the, let us have the data for our own borough unless we give them £150,000 for one borough's data to help the most vulnerable people in this country, in one of the poorest areas in Europe. Um, and uh, so if Waltham Forest or Redbridge or Tower Hamlets or any other borough sitting next door to Newham enforces against a dodgy landlord, they can't look them up on the land registry to find out, uh, without paying shed loads of money, um, to find out if those, those, those known bad landlords that have been prosecuted against um, also have properties in their area. Um, I think I might have to come back to the land registry um, if we have time. Um, I mentioned that you have a right to a protected deposit. Um, and has, has anyone here, just stick your hand up, has anyone rent in the private sector? Has anyone, so that's about half of you. Um, and do you know, is, are your tenancies deposit protected? Your deposits protected? Apparently. Is anyone think? Is anyone not sure? You're not sure if you're okay. Um, so basically, there's there's actually a right of redress if you find that your deposit isn't protected under a, an authorised scheme. There's three of them. Um, uh, you get a right to take your landlord to court and get a, a fine paid to you of somewhere between one and three times your deposit. And they've still got to protect protect your deposit on top of that. Um, and of course, if, if the landlord's been dodgy with lots of other things, the court will say of three times the deposit. And if it's just an oversight, they'll say one times the deposit. But you know, it could be a, an easy grand um, uh, if, if, um, if your landlord's not been very competent. 
Um, so wouldn't it be great if you had that list of landlords uh, so you could, um, you could tell tenants uh, if you think their deposit is protected or not on the basis of whether they're on a list of landlords who did, did protect deposits or not? And there is an interface that you can go to if you're a tenant and chuck your details in and they'll tell you whether your deposit is protected. But there's no interface you can use for proactively um, investigating um, landlords who aren't protecting deposits. And the reason is... Government was privatising things. I'm not saying the, this government. It, it was set up as a private activity. And so they set up four, four of these schemes. There's three of them left. And they're all private companies. And of course they won't publish the list of landlords because it's a list of their customers. In fact, two of them are run by landlords associations. Um, uh, and so they don't, they're absolutely desperate not to give away their, um, their, their list of landlords that protect deposits. Um, but the other side of the coin is that the government made sure you didn't get legal aid. If you want to take your landlord to court, you don't get legal aid. The idea is, well, if you're going to make a load of money on a fine, you should be able to get private sector help. Um, but, the, but the companies, the claims companies that would help you through this process, and not everyone is articulate enough to be attending an o- ODI event, um, uh, isn't necessarily going to be able to uh, fight their case in a courtroom um, quite so well. Um, they don't... Uh, they don't have uh, these claims companies don't have access to the kind of data that would let them know where to target their marketing um, to help people get these their deposits back or, or, or to, to live in secure accommodation. And of course, it is the landlords that are not protecting deposits that are in general um, making people live in very poor conditions as well. It is generally the landlords with poor deposits that are whacking up the rents every six months, and it is generally the landlords that don't protect deposits that are um, uh, that, that are doing that long long list of um, Things that landlords can do to people once they've once they've got them trapped in a, in, in accommodation. Um, so we do have an actual vision of what we'd like to do with open data, and like I said, there's no solution here. We haven't we haven't done anything with this. We we haven't got the money. We haven't got the experience. We haven't got the the weight to knock down the big doors in government to get this data released to us. But imagine if you were an empowered tenant. Um, imagine that you you're looking at a property. And you could stick there in your, in your smartphone the, the address of the property and it will pop up the company's house records of the landlord, the court records of the landlord. How often do they, prose- do, do they evict people? How often are they prosecuted for, for, um, uh, for, uh, for, for uh, under landlord-tenant law? Frankly, how often are they prosecuted as, uh, under harassment law or, or, or any other sort of law? Um, uh, you know, your landlord's court records might be quite interesting. Um, what about the council records? If you could tell what the council thought of your landlord before you entered into an expensive tenancy agreement, that's, that's gonna, uh, that would be quite useful. Um, and what about the depo- deposit scheme records? How often are they disputing the tenancies? Do you think you're going to get your deposit back easily at the end of the tenancy or not? It would be, it will be fabulously useful data um, for, for an individual tenant to use. But it would also be great in, in policy terms because if you map your statistical information, your, your indices of multiple deprivation, against actual landlords that you know actual things about their behaviour, uh, um, you could see what is the experience of a person in one poor area to an experience of a, a person in another poor area. What's the difference of experience that they have depending on the, beha- the difference in behaviours of the dominant landlords in those areas. And then you could start coming up with very clever policies, very clever regulations that address specific behaviours of landlords rather than well-meaning people like me guessing about what regulations you need on, on landlords. Um, 
Not to mention that, that you could enforce the hell out of them if you knew what was the difference between a good landlord and a bad landlord, specifically because you know a particular named landlord is a bad landlord. And that takes you back to the land registry data. Why on earth are we in a situation where, uh, where, where a, a really useful data set isn't being used uh, to help very, very vulnerable people when it's owned by the state and it's the state that wants to use it? I don't understand it. Um, I'm at the end of my time, and uh, I hope I haven't been too um, layman in my uh, in my approach. I, I, I know the very bare beginnings of what what is data, um, but I, I did want to alert you to one campaign that we're doing right now. Um, on Tuesday, Parliament is voting on the Consumer Rights Act uh, rights bill uh, that will be the Consumer Rights Act, and um, the opposition has tabled an amendment that will ban letting agent fees to tenants. Um, uh, and, and make them all do, you know, they've got a commercial relationship with the landlord, it's the landlord that ought to be charged. And of course, let, letting agents are, are whacking on all sorts of hidden fees. You know, you know, when they charge you for a credit check, it costs them about £2, and they charge you 50 or 75 or 100 um, Every time you're, you're in a shared accommodation and somebody moves in and out, they, they, they charge another 100 £150, £200 just to photocopy the tenancy agreement. Um, so, so there's a bill in Parliament next week, to, um, to ban this, and it really is government legislation with an opposition amendment. It really could be passed next week. And on our website, we've got one of those little harass your MP devices. So come to generationrent.org, our website, and sign up and, and send your e- an email blast to your MP. It's really easy. But thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to a Friday lunchtime lecture brought to you by the Open Data Institute.